Amen. All right, let's try that again. Amen. Good morning. Oh, man, come on, y'all. Y'all killing me, Smalls. One more time. Good morning. Listen, Pastor will say I could talk back, please. In the Spanish service today, in the announcements, Pastor will give the announcement, and we actually had a question from the audience. So if you want us to talk back, it's okay. All right, we are here. We're our family. And just like he said, today we start a new series called Beautiful Christmas. And I was sharing um, I was sharing on Wednesday for those who were here at Recharge about how, how much I love Christmas time and that I love all the stuff about it. Yeah, I'm that corny person. I love the fact that, you know, you get Christmas cookies and that there's lights everywhere and there's Christmas music. Yes, I'm that person that wants to put on their Christmas music in July. That is me. I can have it on all the time. Why not? It's fun and it makes you excited. I'm that person that's into the decorations and everything. I spoke about that at Wednesday. And before y'all judge me, because I got somebody else that came to my house yesterday to judge me by counting on my Christmas trees, I like a lot of Christmas trees. They're different sizes. Little ones don't count, right? So I like it. Christmas is exciting to me, and I hope that you like it too. But more than anything, I love Christmas because of what it represents. I love Christmas because of what we get to celebrate. And for those who don't know, but I think everybody here knows, the reason we celebrate Christmas is because in a time like Christmas, Jesus came to be born to become our Savior. And I know that we may know that. Maybe we learned that as little kids. Maybe we've picked it up along the way. And it's in the back of our minds that that's why we celebrate Christmas. But if you are like me, a lot of times we kind of do get all wrapped up in the little details. Sometimes we do spend a lot of our energy in the decorations and in the buying the gifts. And if I'm part of this secret Santa at work, I'm part of a secret Santa at my house, and part of a secret Santa in my family. It's like a fantasy league of secret Santas. We're just joining every secret Santa we can. You know, some of us get so wrapped up in that that even though we know why we celebrate Christmas, we're not really thinking about why we celebrate Christmas. Right? We start to think about the other things as priority and we're making up all these lists and we're starting to get anxious and we're starting to get whatever because of the things that we need to do. But we forget that there's a bigger reason for Jesus. We forget that whether there's a Christmas tree or gifts or not under the tree, it's still a beautiful Christmas. The beautiful Christmas does not depend on how big your family is or how big your feast is on Christmas. It doesn't depend on how many gifts you had under the tree. It's a beautiful Christmas because the Savior was born. It's a beautiful Christmas, but be because of one Christmas, we now have salvation. It's a beautiful Christmas, but because of one Christmas, we now have eternal life. It's beautiful because we don't have to live our lives the way that the enemy wants us, but we can have freedom, we can have peace, we can have joy. That's why it's a beautiful Christmas. So this series is not about how beautiful you can make your house. I don't know if y'all seen, there's this, there's this show on HGTV or probably DIY, I don't know. One of these shows on like a, it's like a battle, like a light battle. So they're going around the country and they find like the houses with the craziest lights. And there's some crazy stuff, you know, some people, they go all out. And it's like a show with a computer and, you know, they got figurines and stuff in their front yard. There's so much going on. And that's not what this Christmas is about. That's not what this series is about. It's about us recognizing. It's about us remembering the reason why we celebrate Christmas. It's because we get to focus in on the Savior that came. And I know that we know this. But if you're like me, and maybe you're not like me, but if you are, we get wrapped up in other things and we forget why we're doing it. And we know it. 
but we forget. And we may not admit that we forget, but the question that I have for some of you, or maybe even for myself is, how many of us in preparation for Christmas have decided to open up our Bibles and read the Christmas story? How many of us have been preparing for Christmas by acting like if we're preparing for the coming of a savior? How many of us are preparing for Christmas by taking time to thank Jesus for what he did? And it's not a judgment. What I'm saying is we forget to do that because we're worried about the Christmas, the Christmas trees and the presents. We're worried about if I'm going to go on a trip or whose family we're going to eat at. And it's a normal part of life. But I want us to get back. I want to center us as a church back to why we're celebrating Christmas. It's a beautiful Christmas because a Savior was born. And in this time, it's one of two things that are happening around us. You either got the group of people that are super excited and extra nice because it's Christmas. And then you got those that are extra mean because they're stressed out and they're anxious and the worst comes out of them because there's too much going on. I don't know which category you're in. But yesterday we were at a snow fest in Pembroke Pines. I mean, yeah, for us Floridians, it was a snow fest because there was a pile of ice. Okay? And we stood in line for an hour and 10 minutes. Yes, we did with our children. So that they can jump on the pile of ice for five minutes. Yep, we did that. And we paid $5 each for them to jump on a pile of ice for five minutes. Because they wanted to see snow. And that's about as close as we're going to get down here. But while we were there in line, an hour and 10 minutes, we saw all kind of stuff in that line. I mean... The ridiculousness. We're at a kids event. We all in line. Why are you skipping when we're all in line? I'm just like, sometimes people get so caught up on things that don't matter. And you see it all around. You're at the store. People fighting in line at the store. People fighting to buy the stuff, you know. People being mean. They fight, you know, on TV maybe, on TV where they're fighting for that last toy. No, I got it for my kid. No, I want it for my kid. I've been waiting in line. This is the type of stuff. We're either really excited or we're over the top extreme and angry and anxious. But we have to remember that even in the middle of everything, God is orchestrating a plan. And as we start working on, on, on this new year that's coming, a lot of us start to make plans. I don't know about you. I don't know how many of you guys like to be planners. I realize that for some, the idea of planning creates anxiety for you. For some of you, the idea of making plans makes you like kind of itchy and, and hivey and you don't want to hear it. It's like a bad word. But for some of you, planning makes you happy. Planning makes you excited. Some of us like lists. And some of us are so excited when we can check things off of our lists. But if you are like me, many of us have lists that don't happen. <laughs> many of us have plans that don't always work out the way we planned many of us make a lot of things and ideas and we have dreams and we have goals and not always do are we able to see those dreams and those goals come to pass it's a normal part of life we can make all the plans we want but we're gonna have messed up plans somewhere along the line of your life you will have a messed up plan i like to make lists i make a list at my house each week of what i'm gonna do I lose the list, I left it somewhere, I get to work, I make a new list of the things that I think I remember that I'm supposed to do at work and I got to do for myself. But then I'll be forgetting, so I put it on my phone and my notes, but then I rewrite a list. I got like three lists that got some of the same stuff, right? I got to put everything on the list because lately my memory has been bad. I'm, you know, 
I think I need to go back to drinking Jinko Biloba vitamins because I can't remember a thing. So one of those things that I put on my list is all the kids stuff. I mean, there's so much stuff happening at the school, I can't keep track. And I'm part of the parent group and I still be feeling like I'm lost. Imagine the people that don't know, I don't know. So here I am, each month I pay for the kids lunch. It's a charter school, they don't get the lunch, the free lunch from school. This is like a company that comes, so I pay for the lunch because it helps me in the morning. But you gotta pay by a certain day. And at my school, they are die hard on that. You can come crying, you miss a deadline, you're out. So I thought I saw the email say a date. And I was like, cool. I went to Indianapolis, and it was that day I was in Indianapolis, but I thought it was Friday. So it was like, is there something I gotta pay? Nah, I'll go on Friday and I'll take care of it. So comes Friday, I'm excited. I walk up in the school, hey, good morning. You know me, I am who I am, everywhere I am. So I'm like, hey, good morning, talking to the lady in the front, talking to the parents, you need some help, what you need? Oh, let me help out on the car line. I'll come back in 10 minutes, oh yeah, I need some help. I get there all excited, so I'm like, yeah, I'm here to pay for lunch and She's like, oh, you passed the deadline. What you mean, though? I'm like, I look at the sign behind me. Lo and behold, I was three days late. I was like, dang, I didn't write that down on the list properly. So I didn't get to buy the lunch. So I get home, and I'm like, oh, boys, you know, starting next week, you're not going to have the lunch from school. Not starting, starting the week after because, you know, I missed it. Here comes Shiloh, Mr. Dramatic. Mommy, you're always forgetting everything. You always forget. You say you're not going to forget, and you forget. If you know Shiloh, that's exactly how he talks. You said it, mommy. And I'm like, but bro, I forgot. Always, always forgetting, always forgetting. And I started to feel bad. Like, damn, I'm a bad mom. I'm forgetting things. They're not going to have no lunch. Like, what am I going to do? Like, I'm about to cry. Like, I don't always forget. You got to school today, right? I'm fighting with Shiloh because no, I don't always forget. And I'm like, yo, my list didn't help me out. Thankfully, the school hooked me up. I called one day and I was like, listen, please, you know I'm always good. Sign me up and put me on the auto pay for next month because I can't forget again. Thankfully, they got their school lunch. And that's a small change of plans. I realize that it's very small compared to some of the chains of plans that we've had in our lives. You know, it's not as big as that sudden diagnosis that you weren't expecting. It's not as big as that sudden death that you were expecting. It's not as big as that news that you didn't expect to get. I realize that. But regardless of the, si the size of your plan, we're going to have messed up plans in life. We're going to have plans that fall apart. We're going to do a lot of planning and not everything is going to happen. But in the middle of that, our response is what matters. What's important is for us to know that God has a plan for us. What's important is for us to know that God is in control, in control of everything in our lives. It's for us to know that no matter what happens with our plans, even when our plans fall apart, we need to trust God. And I don't know if you've ever thought about how the first Christmas started. We're on this side of Christmas, of that first Christmas, so we remember Christmas as a fun time when there was a manger and we celebrate Jesus and we've got Christmas trees and all of that and we got Santa Claus. But when that first Christmas happened, it was really a situation with a bunch of messed up plans. Everybody in the story had a plan that didn't turn out the way that they thought it was gonna turn out. Everybody had a curveball that seemed like the most horrific, difficult thing in their lives in the moment. Now on this side, we could see that it was good and that it was God, but back then, when they were living it, where they were in the middle of it, they couldn't see it. The first Christmas was a Christmas of all kinds of mess of plans. 
And the normal part of life is us knowing that plans will fall apart. The issue is that we have an unconscious view of God. What I mean by that is there's a view that we have of God that we may not know we have, we may not say we have, it may never come out of our mouths, but our actions show it. And that unconscious view of God is that if God really loved me, then things would work out for me. If God really cared about me, then he would make these things happen. If God was really concerned with my life, those things that I've been praying about, those things that I've been waiting on, they would have already happened. So it means that God must not really care. God must not really love me because these things are not happening. It's a view that we may not say. Maybe you've never said it, but your actions say it because the moment something doesn't happen, you then turn around and do things your way. Right? We live in a world that tells us you got to get yours, whatever you want. You got to make it happen because nobody's going to make it happen for you. But that is not what God says. God says, I'm the one that directs your paths. I'm the one that directs your steps. So we have to first struggle or juggle with this idea that we have in our lives, this inaccurate view, this lie that if things don't work out, if plans fall apart, if things crumble, it's because God doesn't care. It's because, it's because God doesn't love me. God loving me means he does what I want. And we say that. And I don't know, for parents here that have kids that are older, I don't know if you've already got that kid saying, but it's not fair because you do this. And why you always got to like, you know, like Shadow this morning was upset because every time he's doing something to his brother, I catch him instead of just letting him be. And I'm like, so you just want to do whatever you want. Well, too bad, buddy, because that's why I'm your mama. When you were grown up, you decide. But right now I'm in charge. We say that to our kids. Yet we expect God to be our father, but at the same time, let us do whatever we want. We want God to take care of us like a daddy but we want to tell him what to do. I wish my kid would try to tell me what to do. I already told him, you're going to lose your teeth and it's not going to be pretty. But we want to do that with God. I'm guilty. I'm not talking about y'all. I'm talking about me. I have a hard time with trusting. So if there's anything that I want us to take out of this today, is that you can trust God even when your plans fall apart. Because it's pretty much guaranteed that you will have plans fall apart. It's pretty much guaranteed that you're going to receive a call that you weren't expecting to receive. A call that is not giving you the best news on the other end. It's almost guaranteed. But we're going to decide to trust God even when our plans fall apart. God came to bring us peace. In the chaotic world that we live in today where countries are fighting against each other and mothers are fighting against their kids and kids are fighting against parents, we're, we're in a turmoil where we're struggling internally with what we feel and what we know. It's a constant battle. In that same world, Jesus says, I came to bring peace. A peace not like the world gives it. A peace that surpasses all understanding. A peace that doesn't make sense, but it's my peace. So Christmas is about Jesus bringing peace. Peace is at the center of Christmas. See, because there's an internal civil war in each one of us. See, because we were born sinners and sinners, sin separates us from God. 
So Jesus came to redeem and restore us so that instead of us being separated from God because of our sin, he now can be the bridge that connects us to God despite our sin. So he came to bring peace to the civil war that was happening inside of us. We've got to trust God even when our plans fall apart. And this first Christmas has all the makings of a bad story. And we can pick it up here in, in Luke chapter 2. When the, when the baby is born, baby Jesus is born, wrapped in swaddling clothes, nine pounds, six ounces, baby Jesus. When he's wrapped in swaddling clothes, the angels show up to some shepherds and they say, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Can everybody say peace? Jesus came to bring peace to those on whom his favor rests. Even in the middle of chaos, we can have peace. But in order for us to have peace, we have to come into what I call the triangle of trust. And in this triangle of trust, imagine the middle being peace. There's three truths that we need to know, we need to believe, and we need to remind ourselves and live them in order for us to live in peace. The first one is that God is with me. Can you say it with me? God is with me. The second thing is God is guiding me. Let's say it together. God is guiding me. And the third is that God is working for my good. Let's say it together. God is working for my good. These are three truths that we need to know and not just know, but remember when we have those plans mess up. Because in order for us to have peace, we need to trust that God is with me, God is guiding me, and God is working for my good. Because like I said earlier, it is pretty much guaranteed that plans will mess up. But it's up to us if we will trust. If we trust, we can find peace in God. And let's look at the story of Joseph. So Joseph was Jesus' earthly daddy. And Joseph had some plans that didn't go with, and your wife is going to get pregnant from the Holy Spirit and you're going to become a daddy. Matthew 1.22. This is when the angel has already visited Joseph. And it says, and all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Right? This is the side of the story that we know, that we get to say, wow, a promise was fulfilled. Emmanuel, God is with us. We get to now say God is with us because Emmanuel was born. But if we go a couple verses before, and we pick up in the story just exactly where Joseph was and how he feels, we get to see in verse 18... That this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. What that means is, Joseph and Mary were engaged to be married. In that time, to be engaged to be married meant you were married. You just hadn't come together. And because we got a child here, you know what I mean by coming together. She was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. So Joseph had a plan. And his plan was to marry Mary. 
And if anybody here has ever been married, you know that before you get married, you make a lot of plans. You start planning what you're going to wear. You start planning that party. You start planning where you're going to live. This man, I'm assuming, was planning the house, fixing it up, making sure he had a nice bed, whether it was straw, maybe a nice blanket. He was preparing the house. He was preparing everything for this new life that he was going to have that was probably full of hopes and dreams and a house and a career, and we're going to do this, and we're going to have this many kids. You know, all the plans that we like to make, all the things that we decide that one day we're going to be and how it's going to happen with detail for some of us. Some of us are a little more creative. Some of us want to have it all exact. He was making plans the same way that you and me make plans. The same way that we think we already know what is best for us and how it's going to happen for us. But in comes God. And he says, eh, this is what's happening, bro. Verse 19. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, he was a good man and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Like I said, being engaged in that time meant you were already pretty much married, so he had to divorce her in order to break the engagement. But because he was a good guy, because he was nice, because he was obedient to God, because he followed the rules, he was gonna help her. Sometimes we're good people. Sometimes we do everything right. Sometimes we play by the rules. Sometimes we follow the list. And our plans are still going to mess up. And some things are still not going to work out. Some of us get in debt and we go to school for four years and you get a degree and you still ain't going to get a job in the degree that you got. It's part of life. So it's not because you're a bad person. It's not because you don't deserve it. It's because it is part of it. So we see that Joseph was with God, but we also see that Joseph was a good person and still... He had his plans messed up. Even more than that. We can see in verse 20. That when plans fall apart and we think God leaves us, he hasn't. We're thinking that if God was with us, our plans would work out. And he's saying, not necessarily. After he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. So right when Joseph was deciding that because his plans changed, he was going to make the next move. God said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So God says, you think your plans are messed up, but don't you go and mess up the plans by going and deciding to divorce her. Because then you're really going to mess up the plan. Hold on, because I'm working something out in the middle of this situation. A lot of times we're upset, we think God left us, and we, we leave that false reality that if things don't work out like we planned, it's because God is not there, it's because, it's because God doesn't love us. And when we start to believe that false idea, we start to run into problems. We start to get issues. Why so many people are depressed, why so many people are frustrated, why so many people, oh my God, are suffering with anxiety and worry. I didn't even know that was a sickness until the last couple of years. You go into a group of 10, at least three are telling you that they are suffering with anxiety. Because we're so caught up on the things that we had and the false expectations and the frustrations of life, of things that we made up, of things that we decided to put on a list. That ain't nobody asked us to put on our list. I feel the man like I said, that's what I want. 
we get on these things and we harp on them. And we, I mean, I don't know, poor God, I'm sorry. Good thing you're God and you don't care. We just jump straight off the cliff. God don't care. I'm just going to do me. Do you, boo-boo. Mm-mm. Every time something doesn't happen like we want. But here we see a David that was a good guy that followed the rules, who God was with, who God knew my name, and still his plans got messed up. Even more, to make matters worse, the plot thickens. His plans didn't just mess up, but it was God who messed them up. Because sometimes God has to get in the middle of what we think is a good plan. I know it makes sense in our minds, but it's not necessarily what God is saying. We have to trust God even when our plans fall apart. Then on the other side of the story, we see Zechariah. Zechariah was a priest who was old. That's it. I ain't got no better way to say he was old. He couldn't have no babies. He was old. He was saggy. And he had been praying for years for a child. But now he was past the age to have a child. That was a dream that was far. That was a dream that he didn't want to, he didn't even remember because I prayed for so many years, God, and you didn't hear me. That is something I just dropped. And he is there minding his priestly duties, lighting the incense, and an angel appears. You can read the story for yourself. Since I know y'all going to go and read the Christmas story, you can read this in Luke chapter 1. And the angel says, hey, your wife is going to have a baby. And Zechariah's response was, how can you be sure of this? In other words, I doubt it. Prove it. Because what he's thinking is, let's talk about the logical thing here, which is number one, I'm too old. Number two, are you kidding me? I have been praying for years. Don't you come around here giving me false hopes. Don't you come around here lying because there is no way possible. If God really loved me, he would have done it when I prayed for it 30 years ago. He would have done it when I was in the age, like everybody else, instead of going through the ridicule of all my friends having kids and my wife being the one put to the side, I would have been rolling with my friends. We would have had our kids together. We would have had the same bar mitzvahs, you know, bar mitzvahs together, everybody. But now you want to tell me that you're going to answer a prayer that I, you know, because come on, God. Don't we do that? We want to ask God for something because he's God, but we also want to tell him how to do it. It's kind of like, why we asked him in the first place? Zechariah's response was full of doubt. So much that the Bible says that after he said that, his mouth was sealed and he couldn't talk until the baby was born again. God said, you're going to find out. You're going to learn today. But then we see the other side of the story is Mary. At the same time that this is happening in Luke chapter 1, we see Mary, who is a young girl. Estimates say that she was probably 14 or 15. And she gets an angel that says, hey, you're going to have a baby. And her response is, how can it be? But Mary's response was a, really? Like a, me? You really think I could do that? You, you really think God is going to trust me with that? Like, oh my God, wow. Her response was one of all. The question for us is, when our plans get jacked up, who are we? 
Are we Zechariah? Whatever, God. Or are we Mary that says, I don't understand this. I don't know how this is going to happen. It doesn't make sense to me, but I'm your servant. Let it be just as you said. Man, if we can change our responses sometimes, if we could change our attitude, maybe we would live in that peace that we are searching for so badly. Because to find the peace, we got to trust that God is with us. We got to trust that God is guiding us. And we have to trust that God is working everything for our good. When you trust him to play out his plans, that's when we find peace. But there's a spoiler that I want to give everybody here today. And you might want to write it down. Or you might just want to record it in the tablets of your heart. God is working out his plan, not yours. It's not about you, boo-boo. God is working out his plan and not yours. He's not interested in making you happy. He is not interested in making things work out the way that you thought you wanted it because that's what's going to make you happy. He is interested in working out his plan, which is divine, by the way, which means it goes beyond what you can see. He's interested in working out his plan, not yours. And when you trust him, what we're saying is, I'm trusting you to work out your plan, God, not mine. I know we love to say, God, I trust you. But that God, I trust you is that God, I trust you as long as things work out. <laughs> God, I trust you as long as it goes good and it goes easy. God is playing out his plan and not yours. You got to trust him because he's with you. But you also got to trust him because he's guiding you. And we see this example in, in Joseph. We see in Matthew chapter one, chapter 1, verse 24. After the angel shows up to him and tells him everything, it says, when Joseph woke up, because he was dreaming, remember? He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And he took Mary home as his wife. At that point, he said, my plans are jacked up. I was going to throw him out the window. God said, don't throw him out the window. I realize this is part of him. So now I'm going to trust that he knows what he's doing. I don't know what's on the other side of me taking Mary home as my wife. But I know that you're trusting me. And maybe to you it seems insignificant because one verse, how do you know that he's trusting you? Well, I'm going to tell you how you know that he was trusting God. Because if you continue to look in the story, you go to chapter 2, after the baby is born and they're in Bethlehem, God tells Joseph, move your family to Egypt because Herod wants to kill your baby. Joseph picks up his, his, his wife, picks up his baby, and moves to Egypt. They don't have family, they don't have money, they don't have a job in Egypt, but they go to Egypt because God says go to Egypt. Then God says, hey, leave Egypt and go back to Nazareth. He goes back to Nazareth and go. We see three examples of how he was trusting God to guide his steps. If we want to live in true peace, we got to believe that he's guiding us. We got to believe that the things may seem different than what we expected and what we wanted. And I know that that's hard. But he's in control. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. The thing is that a lot of us want to be architects and engineers and we want to make the path. And God is saying, I will make your path straight if you could just trust 
in me. If you cannot think about what makes sense to you, if you can put aside the logic for a moment and you can just trust in me, I can make paths for you. Heck, I could make a path where there was no path. You could be the first one walking down that path that didn't even exist five minutes ago because that's who I am. So when we say, yes, God, I trust you, I know that in that moment when you love the Lord and you're going through something and there's a good worship song and somebody prays, you like, yes, Lord, I trust you, Lord. That trust you, Lord, has to be, God, I trust your plan and not mine. Let your will be done and not my will. And that is hard. I'm not preaching to you like someone who's conquered it all. I struggle because I got control issues and I got trust issues. And it is hard to believe that there is a God that cares. We live in a world that says, I'm not going to believe in God. Why would I believe in someone that's so far away? But I'm here to tell you that's a lie because Emmanuel, God is with us. He's not far. He is right here. And every detail of your life matters to him. You just got to trust him. You got to trust that he's working. And this is a universal problem. And I'm not saying you got it, but maybe your neighbor has these issues. Proverbs 16:9. In their hearts, humans plan their course. Make your plans. It's okay. It's okay to have goals. I'm not saying don't have goals. I'm not saying throw it out the window. What I'm saying is you have to know that you will make plans and you will have things, but it is the Lord that establishes your steps. You got to be ready that plans may not work out, but the Lord is establishing your steps. We make a lot of plans, but it is God who decides which way it's going to work. See, but sometimes we get this little success, girl, and we start to feel more powerful than we really are. You got that good job, you can pay a couple bills, you can buy you a Benz, now you're better than everybody. Right? Now, now I got this, I'm untouchable, nothing can stop me, but oh, let an economic turndown come around your way. Let a sickness happen. Let you lose a job. Ain't nothing like the Lord humbling us to remind us who he is. It's inevitable. Plans are going to get messed up because we live in a fallen world, but there is a God who says, I'm with you. I'm guiding you, everything, even the jacked up things, even the ugly things, even the messy things, I am working them out for your good because I am in the mess. Joseph thought he had a mess, but God was saying, I am in the middle of your mess. You are not alone. I am with you. I am guiding you. And this very thing that was something that brought a lot of gossip to the neighborhood is going to be the very thing that's going to save those people's lives. I got a plan because I'm working out my plan and not your plan. Instead of fighting with that, with that, we got to just get on the triangle of trust. We got to decide to believe even when it's hard to believe, even when it doesn't make sense, even when everything inside of us hurts and is aching, we have to decide because it's about a decision. Decide to trust that God is with you, God is guiding you, and God is working everything together for your good. And I get it. Because let me tell you, there's some times that God has asked me to do things, and I'm like, you know what, Lord? Um, did you think about this? Did you consider this? I, I don't think you ran those numbers properly, God. Like, um, you want me to help you out? I could, I, could, I could do this for you, Jesus. Just give me some time. Right? We want, we want God to help us, but we want to tell him how to do it. It's hard to trust. It's hard to believe that he's still working something in our favor. We start to think, if God will bless me, then I will trust him. False thinking. If you would trust God, then he could bless you. You got to trust first. Because what happens is that a lot of times what you think is a blessing is not. 
And what you think is not a blessing is really a blessing. He's working everything for our good. Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God is working. It doesn't mean that everything that happens is going to be good. It doesn't mean that everything that happens you're going to like. It doesn't mean that everything that happens is going to make you happy or is going to make you comfortable or is going to make you rich. It means that even when things go bad, God puts his hand on it and he makes it work for your good. God puts his hand in the most desperate situations and he makes it work out for you. Even when you can't see the end of the story. And in a season and in a time and in a world where everybody's living so full of anxiety and so full of worry and so full of fear and so full of depression and so full of anger and bitterness, why not be the people who are full of peace? Why not be the people who in the middle of things going wrong say, but I know a God. I know a God who is with me. I know a God who is guiding me. I know a God who is working everything for my good. So I will trust that he will give me peace. Even when he's working, even when things don't seem like they're working out, God is working in it. See, because Zechariah felt like God took forever to answer his prayer. I'm sure that Zechariah felt forgotten. I'm sure that Zechariah felt ignored. And I don't know if anybody here has ever felt forgotten or ignored. I don't know if anybody here has ever felt overlooked. Like, God, you didn't see me. I was standing here with my hand up. You just skipped the row. And you just went to the back row. When I've been here, I've been serving. I've been listening. I've been praying. I've been searching. I've been asking. I've been sowing. Right? Because we try to tell God of the things we did and all the reasons why he should answer our prayer the way we want to and when we want to. Guilty. Not y'all. I'm talking about me. Zechariah thought that he had been forgotten and, and, and ignored. So much so that he already had closed that book. He had closed the book on that story because he thought it didn't matter anymore. But then God says, you know what? You thought I was late. But let me tell you that I came on time. Because the reason that it had to be now is because the baby that your wife is going to carry is going to be the one who's going to prepare the way for the Messiah. Had he come 20, 30, 40 years ago, he couldn't be the one that would prepare the way. So I wasn't late. I didn't overlook you. I didn't forget. It just had to happen my way. Because I'm interested in playing out my plans, not yours. He had closed the book. And I don't know how many of us have closed the book prematurely on what God wants to do in our lives. How many of us have closed the book because it didn't happen when and how we wanted and expected it to? How many of us closed the book because it wasn't fun or it didn't feel good and it wasn't easy so it's just, it just got to be wrong? I'm here to tell you that some of us need to pick up our books again. We got to dust them off and we got to let God keep writing in it. You got to trust him. Because the truth is that you do not have the mental capacity to know when something is good or bad. Let me prove it to you. Joseph of the Old Testament in Genesis, he gets sold by his brothers. Bad, right? No. Good. He gets to Egypt. He goes to jail. Bad, right? No. Actually good. Because being in Egypt, being in that jail, 
allowed him to then become the person who interprets the Pharaoh's dream, who then becomes the second in command. Why good? Because in that time, a famine came that everybody was going to die of hunger. But because Joseph was there, he was able to save people. See, his family, who was the selected family to carry the lineage of Jesus, was going to die because of a famine. But because Joseph was there, Joseph was able to save them. And through him, we have Jesus. So if Joseph wouldn't have been sold, he wouldn't have been sent to prison, he wouldn't be there, which means that then the whole family and the whole lineage would die. And today we couldn't sit on this side rejoicing because we have a savior. See, what seems bad to human eyes is good to God's eyes. We cannot tell the difference. So instead of trying to figure it out, instead of trying to decide that, we need to let God be God. We got to trust him. We got to know that he is with us. We got to know that he is guiding us. We have to know that he is working everything for our good. And it is hard. I am not saying this as a whole get over it. What I'm saying is you need to decide what you will believe today. Because I don't have the answers. I am not God. But we serve a God who is all powerful, who is all knowing, who is working everything for your good. Yes, it doesn't look like you thought. No, it doesn't feel good. No, it's bad. Yes, I get all of that. But God is still a good God. And he is still in control. It's up to us to trust. Genesis 45, 5. With this, I'm going to bring it home. When Joseph finds himself there with his, uh, his brothers, so he's there, the second in command. The brothers come looking for food because they heard that in Egypt there was food. So they come and they don't know it's him because he's dressed like, dressed like an Egyptian. They don't recognize him, but he knows who they are. He doesn't say anything. He's playing along in the story, right? He's there. He's like, okay, come and visit me or whatever. But finally, he can't take it anymore. The Bible says that he couldn't take it, that he locked himself in a room and just started to cry because he said, I cannot believe that the people that I hadn't seen in years, the hurt, you know, that memory again of what they did to me, I can't believe they're standing right in front of me. And right there, he decides he's going to tell them who he is. And he sends everybody out. And he says, now do not be distressed. And do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Do not get caught up on the things that people did and the, and the ways it didn't work out. You thought it was you. You thought that you had all the power. You thought that you had all the control to bring me here and ruin my life. Those people out there thought that they had the control and the power when they did something to you. They thought that they had the control to ruin your life. They thought that what they did was them. They thought that what they did would for sure define the rest of your life. But God is saying to somebody today, it was God who sent me here. It was God who sent them to you. It was God, yes, to have them do bad things to you. Why? Because God has a plan. And he said, you thought it was you, but because it was to save lives, it was that God sent me ahead of you. The thing you did that you thought you did was God letting you do it because he needed me over here because he knew that one day I would have to step up and save many lives. And I don't know about you, I don't know what your struggle is this morning. I don't know if you've got plans that have fallen apart and it's 
got you full of worry or anxiety or fear. I don't know if you're just maybe angry and bitter and maybe just, maybe just hard heart, hard hearted because it just, it just doesn't make sense. There's no point. It's useless to trust. I don't know if maybe you've prematurely closed the book that God still wants to write in. And I don't know if maybe you just need to be realigned to some of these truths. Maybe you need to be reminded that God is with you. Maybe you need to be reminded that God is guiding you. Maybe you need to be reminded that God is working everything out for your good. I don't know what your situation is this morning. But I want to invite you to be on your feet. I want to invite you to think about whatever that is. Think about whatever is that situation, that dream, that thing that you've forgotten, that prayer that you've been praying for a long time, that thing that makes you angry or brings you sadness or whatever the situation is, that thing that you can surrender to God so that you can have the peace that he brings. That thing that you have to trust God in to trust that he's working and that he knows what he's doing. That it's not about you. His plans are bigger than you. He's working out his plan and not yours. He's doing his will and not yours. And when we let him do it his way, it is better. Because it brings about the saving of many lives. Some of us just need to get over ourselves. Some of us just need to get over our issues. We're so stuck on our problems that we can't see that there are people around us that are hurting and need us. Some of us are so full of a list of all the things we need God to do that we can't see the things that God wants to show us in front of us. We're so busy complaining about the things that we don't have and the things that didn't work out that we can't even see the things that did work out. We can't even see the things that God did do. We can't even see the things that God saved us from. So today we want to realign our thoughts. We want to realign our spirits. We want to say, God, we want to trust you. I don't know what's on the other side. I might be afraid because I'm not in control, but Lord, I am going to decide to trust you today. And if you are willing to make that declaration to the Lord today, I just want to ask you, you can lift up your hands right where you are. And you can just start to release it over to God. Whatever that thought is, whatever that worry is, just give it to him and say, Lord, here, have it. If you're that great, if you're that good, I'm going to give it to you because I can't figure it out. I want you to do it. This situation is keeping me up at night. I'm giving it to you. That phone call made me nervous, but I'm giving it to you. Those problems in my house have me losing sleep, but I'm giving it over to you. God, I need you to step in. I need you to be Emmanuel, God with us. I need you to be with me. I need you to rewrite my story. So I want you to just turn that over to the Lord. And I'm going to give you a minute or so to sing that out while this song plays. I want you to really release it and I want you to trust. I know it's hard, but today make the decision to trust that God is with you. God is guiding you. And God is working everything out for your good. It may not be pretty, it may not be fun, but it's going to be good in the end. Just release it to the Lord. Open up your mouth and release it. There's no reason why you need to go home with it or go home the same way you came. God is here, he is with us, and he came to bring peace.